Hello everyone, this is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesaling and Electrical Marketing with our July 20th update on the economic impact that COVID-19 coronavirus is having on the electrical market. Today's podcast is once again sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. The company began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit fittings in 1988 and in 1989 developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics, which met the most stringent codes and specifications. In today's broadcast, we'll explore some key weekly economic indicators that will give you a sense of where the electrical economy may be headed in the coming weeks, and some fresh data from the Vertical Research Partners 2Q 2020 report. Electrical Wholesaling is now working with VRP on this survey. It's a great resource, and the results are free to all survey participants. Let's first check out some of the weekly economic indicators that can offer an early indicator for where the market may be headed and when and where any economic turn for the better may be occurring. These five weekly indicators are initial unemployment claims at the state level, rail freight car traffic, the Baker Hughes rig count, oil prices, and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring today's electrical economy for 2020. Let's look first at the unemployment claims at the state level. The weekly unemployment data from the U.S. Department of Labor and the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics highlights the states with the most unemployment claims so far in the COVID-19 crisis. This data is valuable to electrical distributors, manufacturers, and reps because it offers empirical evidence of just how big an issue layoffs are now at the local level. On a more positive note, when these claims start declining and establishing a trend in this direction, it will be a clue for you about about when the economy in that state is starting to improve. We saw an increase in the latest weekly unemployment claims in the July 11th report. The seasonally adjusted total of 1,530,892 was up 7.8%, which is an increase of 108,811. The national unemployment rate for the week came in at a seasonally adjusted 11.9%. The five states with the biggest increases in unemployment claims during this period were California. It's up 22,941 claims to 287,732 claims. Georgia, which was up 31,176 claims to 136,336. Florida, up 66,467 claims to 129,408 claims. And the state of Washington, which was up 12,272 claims to 41,778. An interesting leading indicator for the overall U.S. economy is freight rail traffic because it's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, which publishes this data weekly. Let's take a look. After bottoming out in May, total weekly rail traffic has continued to show some steady weekly gains through early July. While down over last year's pace, the overall direction of this leading indicator is on the right track. No pun intended. Despite this positive momentum, weekly freight traffic through the week ending July 11th is still down double digits with a 12.9% decline over early July in 2019. The most recent data shows that motor vehicles with a 34.4 decrease in coal with a 27.4% decline where the rail categories hit the hardest. Freight car loads of metallic orders and minerals also showed a large year-over-year decline with an 18.7% drop. If you track the oil market, you're probably familiar with the Baker Hughes rig count, which tracks the oil and gas rigs that are operating. The data is available on a weekly basis on the state, 
basin and national basis. It's a bit of the same old story on the number of oil rigs operating in the United States. Through the report of July 17, those numbers are continuing in the steady downward trajectory they've been on the past few months. The total rig count, including both oil and gas rigs, are stat was down approximately 73% from this time last year. That's a drop of 701 operational rigs. The Permian Basin accounted for the largest portion of this decrease with a decline of 316 rigs. After a massive drop in April, the price for a barrel of the benchmark West Texas Intermediate Oil has held steady, tracking around $40 a barrel. It's been steady at that level for over a month, but it has a long way to get to go to a price where drillers can make money. That varies by region, but a good rule of thumb is $60 per barrel. This slide gives you an idea of the largest oil and gas deposit. It really gives you a sense of just how many of the large oil plays are in Texas and Oklahoma, and how big an area the Marcellus gas region covers. Everyone likes to call copper pricing Dr. Copper because it's a leading economic indicator for future economic activity since copper is used in so many industries. The construction industry is among the leading markets because of its use in wire and cable and copper plumbing pipe. Copper prices have been on a tear recently and metals experts are wondering if they have the juice to power through the $3 per pound mark, which they haven't hit since June of 2018. John Gross, the publisher of the Copper Journal and a contributor to electrical wholesaling, said in his July 20th report that last week copper notched its ninth consecutive weekly gain and that it is also up on a week-to-week, year-to-date, and year-over-year basis. Electrical wholesaling and vertical research partners will be working together on a quarterly analysis of market conditions in the electrical business. VRP has been doing this report on a quarterly basis for quite some time, and EW is delighted to be helping out. The quarterly report provides some terrific data that you can use to benchmark your business, and the study is available for free to all survey participants. Look for more information on the report for next quarter on ewweb.com. One of the areas of research for this quarterly VRP study is demand by end-user market. As you can see in the slide, demand by end-user was weak in Q2, with the exception of the residential MRO niche, where respondents reported strong growth. They also saw flat conditions, conditions in the defense, food, and utility niches, and weaker conditions in the commercial and residential construction businesses. The brewing, beverage, and chemical niches were also soft. On the downside were also were market conditions in the industrial construction and industrial MRO markets, aerospace, commercial MRO, and institutional construction, as well as the auto and refining businesses. Distributors expect business conditions in 3Q 2020 to show a 6.5% revenue decline, which obviously isn't great. It is, however, much better than the double-digit declines they showed in 2Q 2020, as you can see in the chart here. I'm going to round out our presentation today with a look at the impact population shifts have on a local area's economy. It's a simple metric that has a direct impact on many of the end-user markets in the electrical industry, particularly in the residential construction, light commercial, and K-12 segments. This analysis comes from recently released population data from the U.S. Census Bureau. This slide illustrates a rather simple comparison. The metropolitan areas that had more people moving into them in 2019 than leaving, and the metros where more people were moving out than moving in. The map shows that many Sunbelt and mountain states like Florida, the Carolinas, Colorado, Utah, Georgia, Texas, and Arizona each had many metros adding new residents, some in rather dramatic fashion like Phoenix, Austin, and Dallas. On the flip side, you could see the areas like Metro New York, Upstate New York, Western Pennsylvania, and the Chicago metro area that saw population declines. 
Many of California's largest markets also saw declines, probably due to the high cost of living there. Let's drill down to this data and focus on the 20 markets at the highest and lowest net migration rates for 2019. Look at the numbers for the metros with the most net migration in the slide on the left. The Phoenix, Dallas, Austin, Atlanta, and Tampa St. Pete metropolitan areas, or MSAs, each had more than 40,000 more new residents moving in than moving out. That's huge. On the flip side, the slide on the right shows the MSAs losing the most residents. The New York metropolitan area lost 137,415 residents in 2019, according to U.S. Census data. I had to triple check that number. It's just staggering to me. L.A. had over 94,000 residents migrating out. Chicago had 59,000 residents migrating out. Also, some extraordinarily high rates of negative net migration. Alrighty, now let's see why this net migration data matters to executives in the electrical market. One fun stat to consider is the new residents moving in per day. The slide on the left shows the 20 markets that had the most new residents moving in each day in 2019, which I calculated by simply dividing the net migration rate for that market by 365. Look at the Phoenix market at the top of the chart with 212 new residents a day. Think about what that means for the housing market and the schools there. The new residents all need somewhere to live and many, in many cases will need somewhere to send their kids to school. The Dallas, Austin, Atlanta, Tampa St. Pete, and Houston markets all had more than 100 new residents moving in per day on average, according to this calculation. Now let's look at the chart on the right, which shows total building permits per 10,000 residents. That's the ratio of total building permits, which includes both single family and multifamily units for every 10,000 residents. This ratio is interesting because it allows you to look at both large and small metros. At the top of the ranking here are some relatively small retros, including two popular retirement areas, the Villages in Florida and St. George, Utah, as well as Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I found it fascinating that how many of these home building hotspots were also on the list of metros with the most new residents moving in. These metros that were on both of the lists shown in, on this page of the presentation were Middle Beach, South Carolina, Austin, Texas, Boise, Idaho, Lakeland, Winter Haven, Florida, Northport, Sarasota, Florida, Cape Coral in Fort Myers, Florida, and Nashville. Pretty amazing how many of these markets are in Florida, as well as in retirement or vacation hotspots. I'm intrigued by these numbers because I'm a bit of a data geek, but I hope you'll find them interesting too. If you need the full list of U.S. metros for these metrics or the net migration data mentioned in the previous slide, just email me at jlucy at endeavorb2b.com and I'll be glad to send them to you. This concludes the market data portion of our presentation for today. A special thanks to the folks from Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring today's Electrical Economy podcast series in 2020. Our today's Electrical Economy podcast series focuses mainly on data at the national level. A subscription to Electrical Marketing will give you the local market data at the metro, county, and state level. We also provide our popular electrical price index, the electrical product sales estimates for 17 product categories at the state level, access to a construction product database that has hundreds of projects in it, and other market data at the local level such as building permits and gross domestic product. An annual subscription to Electrical Marketing Newsletter costs only $99 per year at our special promotional rate. All subscriptions include 24-7 access to all market data and Electrical Marketing Newsletter published twice each month. To subscribe to Electrical Marketing, go to www.electricalmarketing.com, click on the menu icon at the top of the homepage, and then click on Magazine Subscriptions.
Contact me if there's any other type of economic data that you would like us to cover in these podcasts. And thanks again to the folks at Champion Fireglass for sponsoring the Today's Electrical Comedy Podcast Series for 2020. Our next presentation will be on Monday, August the 3rd.